Hey there, this is Mike, and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. It's been a while since I've done an episode, and what I really want to impress on you today is that right now, already, you are beautiful. You are holy, and you're perfect. Your awareness of being is God. You are the operant power. It's you. You, you, you. And you are so wonderful. The filter you're using to view yourself and your world is the only thing that's making you think you're less than that. What we see through the filter or our state of consciousness is so convincing that we believe we, what we see and experience in the physical world is the only reality. And as we remain convinced, it feels nearly impossible to detach from it and trust the reality called imagination or awareness. It's not something separate from you. Your very own self. I can never make you believe you are a limitless being experiencing yourself as a limited person. No amount of programs or books or podcasts can make you see just how wonderful you already are. It's a first-person, present-tense, singular experience. Everything really is already a first-person, present-tense, singular experience, but it seems that there are things and powers and influences outside of your control. And they seem like that because you believe them to be outside of you and thus outside of your control. As long as we hold on to the idea of separateness, there's going to be struggle. There's effort. I know some teachers out here say that effort is necessary and that anyone who says effort isn't necessary doesn't know what they're talking about. But I can tell you from my own experience that no positive change ever came into my life with effort. The conscious reasoning mind, some call it ego, I call it the idea of being separate, wants to use effort. It wants to hold back a little bit just in case we fail. It wants to stop and analyze every stinking thought. Ooh, I didn't like that thought. I wonder why I'm thinking that thought. And then we become captivated by it. What does that thought mean? I must be doing something wrong. Or I had that thought. That must mean I have stuff from my past to work on. In my case, as soon as I accepted I had to work on something, I then became confronted with all sorts of things that I needed to work on. Same with limiting beliefs. If I accept I have limiting beliefs that are stopping me, and I want to explore that, show me my limiting beliefs. I promise you, you will be flooded with the limiting beliefs. <laughs> and they weren't really limiting you to begin with. It was your acceptance of them that makes you think they're limiting you. Then I would get bogged down in worry and doubt, that heart-hammering, chest-tightening fear. I would end up spending an hour or two, sometimes a whole day, lost in this doom loop until I could work myself up to a happy ending, that relief. 
I did that so often, my body became addicted to it. I never really made significant changes in particular areas of my life because I was so addicted to this death spiral and the relief that followed. And I would battle it. I would try to fight back. Blow your top. (laughs) Neville says, blow your top. And then assume your wish fulfilled. Well, I began blowing my top daily. (laughs) It would start with that tightening in my chest and quickening of the pulse. And then it would get too much for me and I would blow my top. And then I would get to that feeling of relief. (sighs) Then I noticed one day how I had been blowing my top every day for a while. Well, that can't be right. (laughs) That can't be healthy. (laughs) It was that addiction to surge and relief, surge and relief, panic, drama, and then, ah, okay. Never really occupying the state of my wish fulfilled. Never really being, being in the present, being now. That night, I had a beautiful dream. There were two of me, and I began draining the blood out of one. All the blood drained out, the body just a shriveled husk. And as soon as the last drop of blood came out of that body, I felt a freedom I had never felt before. It was ecstasy. I woke up from that dream seeing clearly what I'd been doing. I had been allowing the old state, this warrior, the one addicted to doom, to thrive by giving life to it. I didn't want to keep being like that, but I kept giving in to that addiction, <laughs> giving life to it by my attention. The blood that I drained from that other me was my attention or my consciousness of it. Here comes the feeling of worry and doubt. Then here come the dark thoughts. Then off to my bedroom, plop down on my bed and start going to work on myself, wondering why am I doing this? Starting uh, reciting quotes of Neville's, struggle, 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 until I could muster up some image in my mind that would give me relief. So from that day on, I refused to take the bait of what the Bible calls the carnal mind, the flesh, the old man, the old conversation, the idea of being separate, the state, the state of consciousness where I think I'm separate and I have to fight and struggle and condemn myself. I resolved to quit giving at the time of day. I went cold turkey on that addiction to surge, drama, and relief cycle. Now the old state, that old idea, craved the attention, but I refused to do it. I refused to keep giving it any of my attention. Not resisting it with effort. At first, some dark thought would come up. And so I would fight back with like, well, I'll see your dark thought with a nice happy thought. Ooh, look at me. I'm happy and free. (laughs) It was just back and forth. The more effort I poured into it, the greater the pain I felt, the nastier the war within me. I reminded myself of the first principle 
the most important thing, the only thing that is important if we have to rank things <laughs> from uh, least to most importance. Be still. Sink down. Relax. Loosen my grip. And know I am God. Not Mike, but the one aware of being Mike. The actor who so completely forgot himself to play the part of Mike. The war that I was experiencing was caused by my amnesia of the present. When I'm lost in the past and how that past will cause pain in my future, there's struggle. Neville Goddard describes the past and future as the two thieves on either side of Jesus on the cross. This is from the lecture, Where Are You Staying? We are always losing the feeling of I amness. In other words, we find it so difficult to keep the tense. I think of the past, I think of the future, and man is lost between past and future. The two thieves at the cross were past and future. He was present. He is I am. One is past, one is future, and they're always stealing from me. I am. So the story is, go and tell them to try to hold on to I amness with all of their might, so that if you would be well, even though the past tells you you have a history of unwellness, and the future is going to tell you that because of your past. For man really is a cumulative unity, as it were. In other words, I'm always what I have been and shall be what I am. Therefore, repent. Repent is changing the present. For if I'm simply the culmination of all things now, what I have been, I am and shall be what I am. Well, then change what I am. And that's repentance. And so I was told, go and tell them that they were losing themselves in not holding on to I am. The present state is the most important in this world. When I'm lost in the past, forgetting the present, I then start to try to figure out how to make things change. I go to work. How am I going to do this? How, how, how? I know what I want, but my past tells me I have to know how to do it. I have to know the means. In fact, for me, that's where most of my anguish comes from, thinking I have to see clearly the steps to take to reach my goal. Well, that's the old state. From my old state, what I really want seems impossible without having a clear path, without knowing every detail, all of the means I have to go through or use to get to that point. I see only a few options, and those few options might seem so ridiculously impossible. And then I start to freak out. And here comes the pain as I dwell on that. I had a wonderful experience one night. I was headfirst in a metal tub, bobbing for apples. Now, what's supposed to be a fun game was terror for me in this experience. I felt like my life depended on me getting one of these three apples in the tub. I was going all over the place with my head in that water, holding my breath, my mouth wide open, going after one apple and then another. 
and I could almost get to one and then it would flow just out of reach. I couldn't sink my teeth into any of them and I began to panic, thrashing about in the water, trying desperately to snag one of these damn apples. <laughs> I ran out of breath and flung my head up out of the water, taking in a deep breath. And then I heard someone behind me chuckling. He said, you know, it's all yours. And then he chuckled again at my senseless struggle. I looked around and I was in the middle of an endless orchard, trees everywhere, all of them, the limbs full of apples. And he said again, it's all yours. Oh, I can't describe the feeling of relief and wholeness or fullness that I felt then. All of the desperation that I was feeling a moment ago, that panic evaporated. I had been struggling over what I thought were my only three apples, my only three options. I was focused on what my senses told me, not realizing I owned the whole thing and there are countless ways for me to reach my end. If I would only stop struggling over this one tiny limited view, I can tell you that every struggle of mine stems from not buying the pearl of great price. The idea of secondary cause is a sneaky one. <laughs> it can creep up so smoothly, I hardly notice until I'm reacting to something. The pearl, that's from a parable in the Bible where Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. And the pearl is the kingdom of heaven or awareness imagination. And as soon as I turn to something other than that, I've created a false God. Anytime I allow something that seems to be outside of me to have any influence greater than my own imagination, I've allowed the tyrant of secondary cause to stick its foot in the door. I am the sole cause. I am the operant power. Every bit of anguish I feel comes when I am forgetting, maybe momentarily, that I am the sole cause. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last couple of years, you know about how we are uh, rebuilding or repairing our home after a couple of hurricanes in 2020. Well, our contractor disappeared with tens of thousands of dollars that we paid him, and the house far from finished, and a lot of work that has to be redone. Now that was a shock, <laughs> but I cannot lay the blame on anything outside of myself. I'm not blaming myself, not in a judgmental way, but if what I say is true on this podcast, and it is, then the contractor and his crew had no choice but to cause the damage they caused and steal from me. Everything I experience comes from my state of consciousness. Did I imagine this specifically? No, but it happened. And I know how to restore everything lost and much more. Everything has an imaginal cause. The contractor and his workers are God, wearing masks, playing different parts, but still God. I've forgiven them. 
every one of them. I see all of them thriving. But why did this happen, Mike? Well, <laughs> my greatest desire is to know myself to greater and greater depths, constant expansion. So that's how I see this, peeling away layers of dependence on anything outside of myself. No, it hasn't been rosy <laughs> every day. I did have some moments of, oh, geez. But even then, people came into my life on those days at just the right time with conversations that were just what I needed. And the house is coming along wonderfully now. And we continue to living in the end, sleeping in our newly remodeled home. One amazing thing that has come out of all of this is spending time with my dad. He and I have been working on the house, and I've gotten to spend more time with him over the past couple of months working alongside him than I've spent with him over the past couple of decades. Now that alone has made this experience worth it. I love you, Dad. Don't ever judge or blame yourself. What's happening might seem like it's taking you further away from your goals, but when you look back, you'll see how everything came together perfectly. I'm not saying accept everything that comes your way. Revise it. Imagine what you do want. Revise every day. But when you look back, you will see how it all came together perfectly. It's already done. It all takes place in the imagination. It always does. So trust your imagination, yourself. Rely on that. No effort. No effort. I promise you, as soon as you accept that you have to exert yourself in changing your state, you will struggle. I think that idea of effort, that we have to use effort, is inevitable for everyone. We all go through it at some point. We're so used to working hard on something. It takes effort. That's what we're taught. So effort must be required in consciousness, right? <laughs> I can only experience what I'm allowing in consciousness. So if I believe that this takes hard work and struggle and effort, that's what I'm going to feel. That's what I'm going to experience. Effort within means effort without. I did it until I was so exhausted from efforting <laughs> that something cracked open within me. And I realized effort was never required at all. Effort is unnecessary. Listening to feeling twisty is unnecessary. You already have everything within you. Every possible desire of yours, regardless of whether they're judged good or evil, comes from within you. And so does its plan of expression. As Neville so beautifully says, that which you seek is already housed within you. Were it not now within you, eternity could not evolve it. No time stretch would be long enough to evolve what is not potentially involved in you. You simply let it into being by assuming that it is already visible in your world 
and remaining faithful to your assumption. It will harden in the fact. Your father has unnumbered ways of revealing your assumption. Fix this in your mind and always remember, an assumption, though false, if sustained, will harden into fact. You and your father are one, and your father is everything that was, is, and will be. That which you seek, you already are. It can never be so far off as even to be near, for nearness implies separation. What could comfort you more than the knowledge that you don't have to wait for your dreams to come true? They are nearer than here, sooner than now. Let this knowledge be a comforter. You don't need me. You only turn to this podcast or maybe a life coach or a teacher because you first imagined you're lacking something and need help. Or maybe you just like to listen (laughs) to me. It isn't a bad thing. It isn't a good thing. It's just the effect of your imaginal cause. Every action you take comes from an imaginal cause. Remember, you are holy, sacred, beautiful. In fact, you own the universe. As Neville says here, you own the universe. And if you don't know it, you can die of starvation for the want of one dollar because you can't appropriate anything because you think it isn't yours. You think that only what your senses dictate belongs to you. You think that only what reason allows you can claim. You can't for one moment bring yourself to believe that the whole thing is yours and all you have to do is appropriate it. It is yours. All things are possible to God, yes, but if you think he's on the outside, you've gone astray. If you hear the word God and it instantly reminds you of who you are, and all things are possible to God, and all things are God, well, then you appropriate it. You simply take it. It's all yours. Simply assume you have it. Dare to assume you're in possession of now of what you really want in this world. And if you dare to persist in that assumption, it will harden into fact. Now, persistence doesn't mean effort. For me, it's just a refusal to accept anything less than what I've already imagined for myself or others. And I don't try to force the feeling. It's a surrender, surrendering to the new idea, the new state. The moment you decide or imagine something different for yourself and accept it, everything is already in motion. It happens instantly. Your universe is already reshaping itself around your new state. As soon as you plant that seed, fertilize that state, make a decision, this is what I want. It's already happening. Trust it. Trust yourself. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.